Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 3. And while you're turning there, uh, I want us to continue talking about living like Jesus. Now, uh, uh, I want to just jump ahead. Let me tell you where I'm going next week before I tell you where I'm at today. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, living like Jesus uh, selflessly. Uh, how many of you know it's not about us? Amen. Living selflessly because Jesus laid his life on the altar of sacrifice. And it was not, even though the gospel was about him, what he did for us, uh, he did it for us. Uh, he, he was selfless in his love for us. So that's next Sunday. This morning, in just a moment, I want to talk to you about being empowered like Jesus. But before I do, let me just build this same uh, foundation uh, in, in this series, Living Like Jesus. To help us do that, I've encouraged us to do four things for these next, for these next few weeks. And really, this should go throughout life, a church-wide call to commitment. The first one is read the red. Everyone say, read the red. Man, I've been reading slowly through the red. I just finished, uh, Mark and I'm starting Luke, uh, tomorrow. And so I've got a couple of more gospels. But as I finished up Luke this morning, page, the word just started popping off the page to me. And the last two verses just came alive in me this morning. So, so uh, if you want to live like Jesus, you need to read the red. Everyone say, read the red. Read about him, read of him, and, and let his word, his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so it touches our innermost being. And then pray, of course. We talked about that last week, praying like Jesus. If you missed last Sunday, I really encourage you to go back and watch the video, uh, the Facebook Live, and just get all those different ways Jesus prayed. Uh, and let's just pray and just fellowship with him. Number two is come to church. Of course, uh, you say, well, that, that goes without saying. No, there's people who, who are forsaking the assembling together. And so we don't want to be among them. So we come to church. And then number four, as we've already talked about concerning even inviting people to Easter Sunday service, we care about others. That Hebrews 11, Hebrews 10 passage says, and let us consider one another, exhorting one another, care about others, be, live a selfless life, not a selfish life. Uh, and so that's what I'm encouraging us all to do. With that in mind, our keynote verse that we've just kind of uh, quoted over and over about living like Jesus is Galatians 2.20. So let's read it out loud together, everyone together. I have been crucified with Christ. I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you are living your life by faith? Amen. We live our, we're born again by faith and we live by faith. We walk by faith and that's how we ought to live by faith. And so that's our keynote verse that has been kind of building this foundation. With that in mind, if you're in Luke chapter three, say, I'm there, pastor. I'm there now as well. I wasn't, but I'm there now. This is the passage we looked at last week uh, in reference to Jesus' first recorded prayer. We don't know what he prayed, but it says that he did pray, and it was when he was being baptized. And so that's in Luke 3, 21 and 22. It says, and when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, everyone say, while he prayed. 
And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven, which you have, uh, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. So just a little interesting insight and reminder about last week. While Jesus was praying, heavens were opened. How many of you know prayer will open heaven in your behalf? Number two, while Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came and empowered him. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk about that today. And number three, the voice of God spoke. How many of you want to hear God speak to you today? He'll speak to you. It's when we pray. But that middle part, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him uh, in bodily form like a dove. How many of you, know, that's a pretty powerful uh, picture. That I, I would have loved to have seen what that was all about. But he, he received the Holy Spirit into his life. Uh, and so if Jesus did, how many, how many of you believe so much more should we? Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. When Jesus, uh, and when he was baptized, he entered into his public ministry, even though I'm sure he was ministering and uh, we have not really, we don't have really any uh, insight after his birth, just very little knowledge of him until this day when he is baptized and he, he begins three years of public ministry. Let me ask you this about him. Do you believe Jesus before this happened, had the Holy Spirit living within him? Well, of course he did. Of course he did. Now, let me ask you this question. Do people who are born again have the Holy Spirit within them? Absolutely, of course. Everyone say, of course. Now, let me ask you another question. Do people who are born again need the Holy Spirit to come upon them? Absolutely. And so this is what we want to talk about today. We want to live, if you're going to live like Jesus, you've got to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus was water baptized. In fact, if you've not been water baptized, I want to encourage you. That's a key ingredient of your journey of being obedient to Christ. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to do that. Sign up out in the info booth and very soon we'll have a baptismal service. Uh, so you need to be water baptized. But, but Jesus, he was water baptized, but he was also the Holy Spirit came upon him. And Jesus entered into his ministry when the, he was water baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, here's an interesting thing I want to show you. If you're in, in Luke uh, chapter 3, John is baptizing uh, and, and, and catch what he says in verse 16. He says this. He's telling about the future, which he doesn't realize is upon him. Okay. Jesus, pardon me. Uh, he goes back up in verse 16. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He, that is speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just give you that. I've said this a lot, but in case for everybody here is concerned, let me tell you how this works. When you're lost and without Christ, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin. How many of you remember when you realized you were a sinner? You realize I'm lost and without Christ. 
you know what was happening in your life? The Holy Spirit was coming. According to John 14, John 16, the Holy Spirit came and convicted you of sin. Now, uh, and, and you began to realize I'm lost and I need Christ. And then you were born again by faith in the finished work of Christ. For by grace you were saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So you're born again. And so here's, here's the, the, the process continuing. You see, what happened is the Holy Spirit introduced us to Jesus, convicted us and said the only way to, to be born again is through Christ. You catch me? And then what, what Jesus desires to do is turn around and introduce you to the Holy Spirit. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And so it's very clear from Scripture that that's what Jesus came to do. He came to save us and, 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 and redeem us from the curse of the law and also to baptize us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, he goes on to say, John said, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the, to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being uh, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which had Herod had done, he also said this above all, that he shut John up into prison prison. And so we know what happened to John, but not before uh, he baptized Jesus and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove in bodily form. And so if Jesus needed that in his life, we as well need that in his life. And we need to open ourselves up. If you want to live like Jesus, you got to allow the Holy Spirit of God to come upon you just like Jesus. Amen. In fact, Jesus promised his power and presence of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. And if you want to look, quickly look, let me just walk you through some things. Um, look in John 14, just quickly. I, I, I've read these things many times to you, but I want you to see them again. John 14, 16, look what Jesus said. He said, I will pray the Father, and what will he do? He'll give you another helper. Somebody say helper. The, that, that's another word, comforter. The Greek is paraclete. Everyone say paraclete. The one brought alongside to help us. He said, I'm going to pray to God, the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. Now, why was he saying this? Because he told them he was leaving and they were getting really nervous that he was leaving. He said, no, don't, don't, don't be nervous. Understand, I'm going to send you the helper and he's not going to leave you. And it says, I'll pray to the Father. He'll give you the helper and he'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and I will be in and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit dwells with us. He will be within us. And he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come back to you. Somebody say amen. So he promises that, that the helper. And then look in John 16. I referenced it a few moments ago. Verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Uh, and he goes on down in verse 13. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, 
He will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And we could keep going and going. In fact, if you go on to Acts chapter 1, after Jesus has been crucified and then rises from the dead and then spends 40 days with his disciples, uh, teaching them the things of God and the, and the things of the kingdom, he then ascends to the Father. But before he ascends, he tells them to go to Jerusalem in chapter 1, verse 4. And he says, go to Jerusalem. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Somebody say, wait for the promise. And so they did. And he says, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. Look in verse 5. But you shall be baptized with what? Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he promised his disciples. When he came to the place where they were trying to figure out how this was all going to end or how things were going to transpire, he said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. He's going to be with you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. He's going to do all these things, the Spirit of God. And, and, and you need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And then he says this, Verse 8, but you shall receive power. Everyone say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want you to see that. So Jesus is setting the church up just like he was set up in the beginning of his ministry with the Spirit of God coming upon him. We, As you read on through Acts, you'll read on through there. And as they're waiting on the promise of the Father, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God comes upon them. And I won't read that all now. You can read it later. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what immediately began to happen was they began to be witnesses unto Jesus in Jerusalem. And then they moved out into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. The church was born. The ministry of the church was born by the outpouring and the baptism and the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And if we're going to live like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, share like Jesus, preach like Jesus... We need the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. It's very clear. In fact, though not in your PowerPoint notes today, there's uh, basically five places in the book of Acts uh, where the Holy Spirit came upon people. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is what uh, you will always see. There's evidence. In fact, there's two of those uh, places where it's very clear they had never heard the message uh, and they had been born again and baptized in water but had not heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so, in fact, the church in Ephesus says, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. 
We've only been baptized in, in, in water. We've not even heard. The, the Samaritans, same thing. We've just been baptized in water. And they, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like in Acts chapter 2. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you seven things today that receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some, some very important aspects of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. Here's one thing you can learn from Scripture. These are seven principles I'm, I'm going to give you. It's not seven steps to receiving, seven important principles. But here's what, as you read through the book of Acts and as you read through history, how many of you know the Holy Spirit's creative? I'll never forget a story. A friend of mine uh, told this story about her friend uh, who back in the early 70s, she was praying in the kitchen and she was asking God to touch her life. She was making breakfast and she, as she reached down, uh, opened the oven, uh, to slide the biscuits into the oven. Bam! The Holy Spirit hit her and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues and she just had a great Pentecostal experience while she was making breakfast and praying and, and, and I thought, what a, what, that's very cool. And, but the funny thing was, as she was testifying to her friend, uh, who had not been filled with the Holy Spirit at the time, she said, well, tell me all about it. She told her her story, and, and she said, well, I want that. She said, well, get up in the morning and buy you some Pillsbury Doughboy biscuits and pray a little bit, and when you open that oven, get ready, because here it'll come. How many of you know God's creative? He can do it any way he wants, but there's principles to apply in our life, and let me just say to you, if you can't say you've absolutely been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is for you. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is a way and a means for you to stir up. For Paul said, be ye continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's seven things. Are you ready? It involves some things on our part. Number one, it involves the promises of God. If God gives a promise... You can bank on the promise of God if you and I meet the conditions for that promise. You see, for every promise, there's a condition. And so the condition, and a lot of what I'm going to say today are kind of some conditions about uh, putting yourself in a place where you can receive all that God has for you. But you've got to believe the promises. I read them to you earlier, but if you, if you just looked in the book of Acts, Acts 1 4 uh, is the promise. You shall receive. He commanded them not to depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Here's a promise from the Old Testament during Peter's uh, beginning of his sermon. He quotes uh, the prophet, the prophecy in Joel, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And you know what Peter said? This is that. Everybody say, this is that. What they saw, what they heard, because the church, the, this, these uh, disciples who had been filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out into the marketplace. They didn't stay in church. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not for a church experience. It's for a life experience out in the marketplace. And people heard them praising and glorifying God. They thought they were drunk. Peter gets up and preaches, and he said, this what Joel prophesied is what you see here today. The Holy Spirit has been 
poured out. Now look in verse 33. After the Holy Spirit is poured out, he's, uh, he's preaching. And look what he says in verse 33. He says, that, oh, no, I said verse 38. It says this, verse 39, this is the one. For the promise, talking of the Holy Spirit, is to you and to your children and to all or afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. There's a promise for our us, not just for that generation. Some people believe that the church gen, that first century church generation, when, when they died out, the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit died out. The bapti- the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit died out. That it was just for that, that era in that age. How many of you know that's just absolutely not true? I, I mean, it's been happening from that day until now throughout the ages. Uh, and so I'm kind of like Paul the apostle. I thank God. God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Uh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make me perfect, but it's certain because it is a gift and a grace upon me. And so, hey, you've got to believe and appropriate the promises of God. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, look at somebody around you and say, God promised this for you and me. It's a promise. It involves the promises. Number two, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves prayer. It really does. In fact, uh, what was Jesus doing when the Holy Spirit came upon him? He was praying. And even the testimony I told you a moment ago, what was the lady who got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the Pillsbury biscuits in the oven? She was praying and worshiping God. It involves prayer. In fact, Jesus, I read it a moment ago in John 14, 6. He said, I'll pray to the Father and he'll give you the helper. It involves prayer, not only you praying, but it doesn't hurt for others to pray for you. In fact, we see that in Scripture when you go through Acts and, and study those five examples uh, and you study them out, you'll see that there were times the apostles prayed for them. They laid hands on them and prayed for them and they received the Holy Spirit. What was happening with this first century church in Acts Look in verse 14 of chapter 1. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were having a prayer meeting. They were praying. I'm telling you, things happen when people pray. Heavens are open when people pray. The Holy Spirit comes when people pray. The voice of God speaks when people pray. Hey, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it involves the promises of God. It involves the prayer to God the Father and prayer to Jesus. Amen. See, if you believe the promises, you'll ask him. You know what the Bible says? You have not because you ask not. So it involves receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves the promises. It involves prayer. Number three, it involves patience. Everybody say, have patience. You know what? In Acts chapter 1, It says you go to Jerusalem and you wait. It said not many days from now. Some of it, we we want everything in this culture we live in, everything immediately. And and sometimes God does things immediately. I'm telling you, uh, I'm not God. I, I don't know the timing of God, but there evidently was a timing for this church. Certainly there was biblically because it was Pentecost, the... 
day. And so all of those things meshed together. But he said, you go wait. And they went and waited. He said, because not many days from now, you're going to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. But it involves patience. He commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father. So be patient in, in prayer. Be patient with the promises of God. Get into his presence and wait. Somebody say, wait. You know, a lot of people wait. How many of you you, you don't mind waiting as long as it doesn't take too long. Yeah, I'll wait right here, but don't take too long. I'll meet you at the front, dear, but don't, don't take too long. How many of you guys know it's dangerous to go to Walmart with your wife? But wait, and that's the way our culture is with the things of God. We say, God, I, I'm hungry. I need you. I want you. I fill me with the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I got to go to work. So, or I got to, I got things to do. So, so you're going to have to, how many of you know, we need to put ourselves on the timetable of God and just begin to patiently wait in his presence. Are you with me? Those are just principles. Number four, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves purity. In fact, what did John the Baptist say about him back in, in, in Luke 3? He said his winnowing fork is in his hand. In other words, when he comes, there's going to be a cleansing, right? But when Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's a process here. You can't get baptized in the Holy Spirit before you get born again. And, 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 and on a bigger picture, the Holy Spirit uh, requires a place of purity to be able to inhabit. So I would encourage you, if you're in, in seeking after and realize, realization, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Find yourself on the altar of repentance. Find yourself in a place, Lord, cleanse my heart. Confess your sins before God. Ask Him to create in you a clean heart. Read Psalm 51. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast and a right spirit within me. And then he said, then I'll teach transgressors your way. Then you can use me. You see, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves purity and cleansing in our life by the power of God and the precious blood of the Lamb. Are you with me? It involves purity. Number five, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves priority. It's got to become a priority in all of our lives. That's why he commanded them in Acts 1-4, don't depart from Jerusalem. What was he saying? This has to be top priority in your life. You got to get this before you do anything else. Everyone said, we got to get this before we do anything else. We're, the, the culture that we live in today, we're doing all this other stuff and hoping that somewhere, somehow, some way we get this. Uh, if God, you know, if it's the will of God, then it'll happen. It is the will of God for it to happen, but it has to become a priority in our life. How many of you know, <coughs> we usually take time for the things that we think are priority. I have four priorities in my life on a personal level. The first one involves you, aren't you glad, and this church. The second one involves reaching Mexico with not only fresh water, but living water. Aren't you happy? Amen. And so those are priorities in my life. 
And we, we all have priorities. And so the priority of the Holy Spirit, it's got to take top spot. Say, Lord, this is my priority. And I am going to be patient. I trust your promises. I'm praying. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me. You're the baptizer. Amen. Number six. Are you ready for number six? Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit not only involves a priority, but it involves positioning. Uh, uh, everybody say positioning. Uh, now, I don't have a, I just want to say this. You can't be out of position in life and receive all that God has for you. And Jesus knew that these disciples had to get serious about their spiritual positioning with God. In fact, they left houses and homes and came to Jerusalem and waited for the promise of the Father. And they were positioning themselves in a place of receptivity to the things of God. Let me just say it this way. They were positioned in faithful obedience to the command of God in their life. How many of you parents are going to pour out the blessings on your children who are not positioned in faithful obedience? Do we reward our children for being disobedient? Do we reward them for being out of sync with the, with the governance of, of the family unit? No, they, there's a necessity of right positioning. And in fact, we see this in Acts 1, 14. They all continued with one accord in prayer. They were positioned in harmony and unity together about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were, the great minds, if you will, were thinking alike. They came together. And they said, this is what we want. Listen, you can receive the Holy Spirit all by your lonesome. But understand, you get around some common core people who say, you know what? We're hungry for this too. We want this too. And, and, and man, I'm telling you, God loves that. And they were positioned together as the church or the about to be church. Hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Are you with me? Say amen. We can't be out of position on any level that, you know, it takes proper positioning, proper understanding. And so you see this uh, over and over with this church. They, when they got in, in, the, in the right position, even after the Holy Spirit was poured out and when uh, persecution began in Acts chapter 4, it didn't take long. They got back in position. They started praying together and they said, Lord, they're threatening us. Behold their threatenings. And they got into position in chapter 4, verse 29. Lord, look at their threats and grant to your bond, your servants that with all boldness that, that they, we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, uh, persecution didn't push them out of position. It pushed them into position to fulfill God's kingdom purposes for their lives. Amen. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and anything from God requires us to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Amen. And then number seven. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit involves purpose. 
What's the purpose? It's to give me joy, joy, joy in my soul. Well, that happens, but that's not the purpose. Well, it involves getting the monkey off my back and, and comforting my heart and the Holy Spirit's my comfortable. Well, that happens, but that's not the purpose. You see, there's some side benefits to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that are personally beneficial to us. Here's one. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit prays through us with groanings too deep for words. The, one of the evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was they all uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there's great kingdom purpose for that, but here's what Jude said about that. He said, build yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20. Uh, and, and so there's great personal benefit for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the things that come along with that. But that's not the purpose. And if we get away from the purpose, we miss the point. And if we miss the point, we grieve the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus doesn't want to baptize us in the Holy Spirit to just get the monkey off our back and make us feel good and get the joy, joy, joy in my soul. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the age. In other words, that's the purpose. How many of you know, if I just wear these on my head, it defeats the purpose. If I just put it in my pocket, it still defeats the purpose. If I just put these on when I'm at home by myself, it pretty much defeats the purpose. These are to help me see everywhere I go. That's the same way with the Holy Spirit. There's a purpose for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose is to make an impact in the world around you. Amen. And so when Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, there's a purpose. And let me say it this way too. When he does that for that particular purpose, there's always evidence. Everyone say evidence. If you have a question mark about whether or not you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let me just be bold today. You have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's always absolute evidence. Let me just give you some and then we're going to pray together. Power to speak. What did Peter receive? Power to speak boldly. Power to witness. And as you look through Acts, you'll find there was power for the miraculous. Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Whoo! One of the first recorded miracles of the, of, of the disciples now operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when the, it's that, that word, the Greek word, you'll receive power is dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. It's dynamite. It's where we get the word dynamite. Supernatural power. So there's power to speak, power for miracles. And the gifts of the Spirit are poured out. 
You can read about them in, in, in Corinthians, gifts of the Spirit, not just speaking in tongues, but all kinds of gifts of the Spirit. They're all there to help us minister. And then, yes, one of the evidences is joy. I'm telling you, read through the Acts. They were all full of joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, some people say they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they look like they've been baptized in what? <laughs> That's still funny to me after 20-something years. The evidence of joy and praise. What did the people hear them in Acts chapter 2 doing? They heard them speaking of the wonderful works of God. There's always evidence. And today, if you want to live like Jesus, listen. You have to be empowered like Jesus. Not just born again. Thank God for being born again. But Jesus, hey, he wanted them to be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's stand up together. Let's just invite the power and the presence of God here today. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. Jesus, today we thank you for the word of God that you've given us. We thank you for the promises. I want everyone in this room just to thank God for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you promised us power, the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit would come and convict us, but then guide us and direct us and empower us. Jesus, we thank you that the Holy Spirit introduced us to you. And Jesus, we ask you to introduce us again to the Holy Spirit. And for everyone here and those who may be listening at home, by way of Facebook, we pray, God, that there would be something stirred on the inside of us that would cause us to position ourselves in an environment of hunger and thirst for the power and the presence of God in our lives. I want you this morning as we are here in the presence of God in your own way just began to say, Lord, have your way in my life. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just take this time, as Paul said to the Ephesians, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we receive all that you have for us, especially this outpouring and baptism. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Fill us, Lord. Baptize us, God. 
Lord, if there's anything in our heart that would hinder the Spirit of God, Lord, we ask you to cleanse our hearts and our lives today. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Renew us steadfast in a right spirit within us, Lord. We just yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and the workings of God in our heart and life today. And we thank you for that. And Lord, have your way in our life. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Listen. Hey, I don't want to, I don't want you to do anything you don't feel comfortable. But if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands and surrender and say, Lord, I I surrender to your will in my life. Fill me afresh. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit, God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So be it. So be it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you, while, while you were praying, the Holy Spirit came. So, Lord, we just stand in your presence and pray to you. We pray in the Spirit with the understanding also. Come on now. It's not even noon yet. We've got to be patient. Thank you, Jesus, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I receive. Everyone just lift your hands and say, I receive all you have for me today. I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just stir up the gifts of the Spirit in our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lift up your voice and give Him praise. I just hear the Spirit of God speaking to me for someone, maybe many. This is the season for you, says the Lord. This is the timing of God for your moment of impartation and empowering. Shrink not away from my dealings in your life. Lean in to my heart. Lean into my word. Lean into my will, says the Lord. And I will show myself mighty in your midst. I will deliver you. I will heal you. I will help you. I will empower you. Only shrink not back from my dealings in your life, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. We receive your word today. So be it. Lay your hands on your heart today as a symbol of faith and just say, so be it in me today, Lord. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do you have your cards? Don't leave them there. Take them with you and for our... For our